Remember what it was like to lose yourself in a big crowd of people without having to worry? It seems like a long time ago, right? Like the other night I was watching The Social Network, that movie about Facebook. And in the opening scene, it's in this really crowded bar and I'm sitting there watching the movie thinking, oh my gosh, no one's wearing a mask. They're really close. No one's observing social distance. Why is everybody out? And I realized that that movie was made a while ago before we were in the middle of a global pandemic. But I think it made me realize that a lot of us have been habituated into this new way of being that's marked by isolation and distance. If you're like me, you've been spending a lot of time at home, occasionally on your back porch, but it's just lonelier when we're not in these crowded environments as much. And it's hard. My name is Blaine Lay and you're listening to Vivid. It's a podcast powered by RCLI. And the intent of the show is to help Christian leaders see clearly. Today on the show, we're going to take you back all the way to the year 2015. It was five years ago. For those of you that live in Richmond, you may remember this event, but there was a big bike race that came to Richmond in the fall of 2015. It was the UCI Road World Championship. So it was a week-long bike racing event. It happens every year at some location around the world. And five years ago, that event came here to Richmond. This episode is actually a rerun from an old show that I used to host called Two People. Now, that show is no longer a thing, but basically what I did is during the bike race, I walked around for many, many hours, and I recorded sound, I interviewed interesting people, and then what you're about to hear is an edit of all of the best moments from that experience. And I wanted to share it to spread some joy, I think as a reminder that the way that things are today are not the way that they will always be. And if you're like me, there have probably been moments in the last several months where you kind of get lost in your own world, and it's easy to forget that there's a world bigger than you. So I hope that over the next few minutes, this will be a little bit of a taste of what it's like to get lost in something that's bigger than yourself in a way that's really freeing. Okay, so here we go. This is the bike race from 2015. Take it away, me from five years ago. There was a giant bike race in Richmond. After the race ended, I was standing on a grassy hill, hanging out in the sun. People were starting to clear out. The Jumbotron had just powered off. But there was a big group of Norwegians still partying, so I approached. Can I, can I ask you guys some questions? Who is the best person to talk to? And they all point to this one dude. They, they tell me you're the best person to talk to. Okay, yeah, I am, yeah. So right now you are wearing a Viking hat. You have a, a red beard and you have blonde pigtails. He's wearing a Norway shirt and shorts, but he turns around and pulls his pants down just a little bit. I also have no Norwegian underwear. He's got Norwegian. my country. Unfortunately, we didn't win though. If, wow. we, if we would have won, I uh, would have won. I would have ran the entire course in just my underwear. That's something I really would have liked to have seen. So his guy came in fourth, meaning he could not, in fact, run the course in his underpants. I know, sad, but he was with his people, and they were all in good spirits. Yeah, that's his closest, closest friends and neighbors and everything. Uh, hey, everybody, let's give it up for Norway! Hey, 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 hey! So, obviously, Norwegians are great. The bike race was totally amazing. For a week in September in 2015, Richmond was the center of the cycling world. The UCI Road World Championships came to town bringing cyclists and fans from all over the world. It's something that we won't soon forget. Today on the show, we revisit the experience of the race and ask what it means for the Richmond region. You're going to hear from people from all walks of life 
and see the race through their eyes. So without further ado, let's get started. It was a week of world-class cycling. Men and women from all over the world racing bikes. The closing weekend was what everyone was looking forward to when the teams would race head-to-head on a closed circuit through downtown Richmond. People were excited about the start, and they got there early. I had breakfast about 7 o'clock, and already at 7.15, the streets were lined here in Richmond. I think this is going to be a pretty special day in the history of Richmond, Virginia. It was finally here. After months of anticipation, Sunday morning, September 26th, the best racers in the world lined up, anxious to compete for the Men's Elite Road World Championship, and finally, the race began. And the peloton are underway then in this World Championship, rolling out of the University of Richmond. There we go, this race is on. This giant amoeba of riders in multicolored jerseys rolled out, legs churning for the beginning of a very long race. And that announcer, by the way, is Anthony McCrossan. If you watch the live stream at all online, he was your guide. Well, thank you very much for joining me. This is going to be the next few hours, around about seven hours of coverage of today's race. So you have the initial excitement. But it's a long race, right? Not every second is exciting, which is really impressive considering what these riders are able to do over six or seven hours. But back in the booth, for our friend Anthony McCrossan, he's got a lot of airtime to fill. Now remember, millions of people are watching the race from all over the world. He praises the Richmond nightlife. The atmosphere last night in Richmond was fantastic. All the restaurants were absolutely packed and the bars were very, very busy indeed. He takes questions from Twitter and McCrossin also takes the time to mention some good old fashioned Virginia pork barbecue. I haven't had any pork barbecue while I've been in Richmond. Have I missed out? That's the big question. If we've missed out on that, uh, I fly back tomorrow to the UK. If I've missed out on the pork barbecue, then we've got to finish, uh, sort that out before I leave. McCrossin was great. I I hope you finally did get some barbecue. So as you watch the race, the riders would come by every 20 minutes or so, so you'd yell real loud when the riders rode past. And then you'd hang out for a bit. During the course of the race, as a fan, you know, you you had some time to kill. So I took a journey down Broad Street to make my way to Libby Hill and time for the end of the race. As I walked down Broad, I ran into this guy. Kanan. Kanan who? Kanan with Jason Rhea. He was there with a bunch of his friends. Kanan was standing in front of a big bucket filled with ice and a bunch of chilled beverages. And I asked him what he was doing. We're selling Gatorade. How much? How much is it? One dollar. How's business today? Um, we have $14. I don't know what you call that. And then I asked him, what do you guys think about the bike races, Kanan? They're cool. USA is doing good. I also talked to another Gatorade salesman. Jack. This is Jack Illion. He was eager to sell his wares. And this is where the group of them went in for the kill. And Jack, what are you doing? Selling Gatorade. How's business going so far? Good, but you need to buy some. I did. I bought. I bought some already. You weren't the one who bought it. Your friend was the one who bought it. You need to buy some more. (laughs) It was a fair point. I walked a little further down Broad towards the finish line, 
and ran into Max Hep Buchanan. He's the director of Bike Walk RVA for Sportsbackers, and I asked him, what do you make of the bike race here in town? It's awesome. I've never seen anything like this before. Um, I don't think anyone here, for the most part, has seen anything like this before. Yeah. Max said that a lot of work had been done to get ready for the race, but that we can expect some more good things to come that hadn't yet been completed. So it'll be cool to see things like bike share pop up, the bicycle and pedestrian bridge across the James River will be done uh, in spring of next year. So it's nice that not everything got done because it means that we're going to see, see more things pop up that are like legacy projects of this event. I asked him what he'd observed about the race that gets him excited for the future. There's way more people using bikes for transportation around Richmond the last week. And I really hope that sticks around and people see that using bikes for transportation is easy and it's fun and you feel good afterwards. And if it gets more people on bikes and they stay on bikes, um, we're going to get more infrastructure out of it. We're going to have a healthier population. It's going to be awesome. It sounds awesome. Hooray for more people on bikes and more infrastructure to support those people on bikes. All right, so I continued further down broad, right near the finish line, right into the thick of things, which was at 5th and Broad. So there I am hanging out, and there was this older man standing outside the Marriott. He was dressed um, head to toe in orange, carrying a massive flag. His English wasn't great, but I asked him, Where are you from? From Holland. I asked him his name. Herman Pruisken. <laughs> and he was there with a woman, perhaps his wife. Martina. And to be more specific, Hans was wearing a giant orange felt hat, an orange soccer jersey, orange nylon shorts, orange spandex, and to top it all off, a little orange tail coming out of the back of his shorts and giant orange clogs. So I was like, what's up with the orange? Yeah, every time in, uh, in Holland, many people uh, in the football, in ice, uh, ice skating, uh, Every time orange. <laughs> Every time orange. I asked him how he liked Richmond. Uh, nice, very, very, very nice, very, very nice. Was friendly, friendly again? Friendly. 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 Top, top, top. I appreciate that. I appreciate his uh, stamp of approval on Richmond. Okay, so I bid Hans and Martina farewell, and I finally make it over to Libby Hill. Now, if you haven't been to Libby Hill, imagine. Um, a giant grassy hill overlooking a river. There's a river that runs through Richmond. And there's a small cobblestone street that snakes up the hill, turning and climbing. Now fill all the grass with people. <laughs> it was crazy. Look at that. A massive crowd on Libby Hill. And it was. It was an event. Loud. Uh, festive. New faces. Old friends. I ran to my friend Rob. He's from Richmond. And in between screaming and cheering, as the riders rode by, I, I asked him what he thought about the race. I've loved to see how people have um, come out for it. And there seemed to be a question of how will Richmond embrace it. And this weekend has just been three days straight of packed viewing at, at the best spots. And that's been good to see the city embrace that. And also great to see people from out of town to hear different accents and to uh, see different countries represented. People were partying, but there was a race happening, right? Remember, the riders have been pushing for over five hours. The anticipation for the final stretch is building. And with every lap, the crowd explodes. Three laps left. Two laps left. One lap left. And then finally. As we turn onto Libby Hill, 
the peloton is all together who is going to win this world title there is a lot of riders in with a shout of winning this and as you stand there in a sea of people on libby hill the leading motorcycles rush past you look up and like 50 feet above your head there's the chopper that's broadcasting the race right there and the riders come through pushing sweating the crowd swells people scramble to get a view there are people sitting on their friend's shoulders and like people up in the trees this is it it was anyone's race Kwiatkowski, Amador, Viviani, Stannard, Moreno, Bonin, Degen Kolb is now in there for Germany, Van Avermaet. The riders come through, they go up Libby, they go down Franklin, and then up another hill at 23rd. They sprint uphill, over the top of the climb, and Sagan has a little bit of a gap. And this is where Sagan pulls away, he turns left on broad, crouches down, like his chin is on the handlebars, his knees are just a few inches off the ground, he's in this tuck. He looks around now, he's trying to go away, Sagan is on his own, can he win the world title? Left on 18th, right on Main Street. Peter Sagan has gone through that corner like he was absolutely on the limit. What a bike handler this man is, he's taking seconds out of these riders. What an absolutely incredible attack by Peter Sagan, we haven't heard him all race. He's pushing up Main Street, working, churning after six hours of race, his legs are burning. He turns on Governor Street for the final hill. He's now going to set himself up for the most important climb of his life. He crests the top of the hill, he's just trying to hold off the challengers, he looks back. Look at the shoulders, look at the gritted teeth, Peter Sagan sets himself up now with 50 meters to go to the finish line. What a win, Peter Sagan is the world champion after six and a quarter hours of racing. What an absolutely amazing win, Peter Sagan is the world champion. After he wins, he throws his bike down. He's all smiles, a mix of joy and unbelief. As the other riders cross the finish line, they congratulate him. The cameras rush to Sagan. He finds his girlfriend in the crowd. They embrace, people cheer, they take pictures. It was a really sweet moment to witness. Now the winner's circle was in the convention center right across the street, and it's thick with the fanfare of victory. And a few moments later, pretty girls walk out in black dresses carrying flowers. Sagan walks out victorious. With the other two finishers behind him, the crowd cheers, and they announce his victory. They present him with the rainbow winner's jersey and a medal. Peter Sagan, a Slovakian, takes his place atop the podium, facing the crowd, and then the announcer comes on. Please rise for the playing of the national anthem of Slovakia. <laughs> so there's Sagan, a Slovakian a world champion standing there in Richmond, Virginia on the podium watching as they raise this country flag. Now, if, if you look at a map, Slovakia is right in between Syria and Germany. And right around the time of the race, millions of migrants were fleeing their homeland from Syria and heading to Germany. And Slovakia is right in the middle of all that. So what's Sagan thinking about in that moment as he hears the anthem of his country? Like, what are the things that are going through his head? Shortly after the anthem, he gives an interview. This has to be the best day of your cycling career. Yeah, I think it's uh, the biggest victory and uh, I am very happy. But uh, I want also uh, to say because, okay, I am very happy for this. 
Uh, I was founding motivation in the world and uh, it's, uh, it's a big problem also uh, with Europe and uh, all this stuff was happening and uh, I want to just say we have to change because uh, the situation is very difficult and uh, then I want to say all the people like for change this world. In this moment, Sagan recognizes the bigness of his accomplishment in this event, but his answer provides us with a bit of perspective. On some level, he's asking us to see the race through the eyes of another, to look at things from a different perspective. Back in Libby Hill, I had the chance to catch up with some of the kids who live in the neighborhood nearby to see if I could see this global cycling event through their eyes. Now, just to paint the picture, when I, when I walked up to him, um, it's a small group of African-American teenagers. They're sitting on their bikes in a sea of mostly white faces. I asked one of them what impressed him most about the race. Fast people. Yeah. Fast people. <laughs> <laughs> now, these kids are from Richmond Cycling Corps, a program that teaches kids from some of the city's toughest neighborhoods how to ride bikes competitively. And they train regularly on Libby Hill without a lot of fanfare. So they ride these hills on a regular basis. They know what it's like. Craig Dodson started Richmond Cycling Corps. He's a former competitive cyclist himself. And as we were standing there on Libby Hill, I asked Craig what it was like for him to witness what was happening. Libby Hill is transformed. You know, it's turned into one of the penultimate features of a world-class cycling event. Hey, th this is our training hill. This is what we, we do. We're out here almost every week. And now there's world-class cyclists and thousands of people and a jumbotron and barriers and vendors. And if you look out here today, the demographic was, was pretty homogenized. And so there's a small cadre of kids from, from the other side of the track that are not only out here just to spectate, but again, have relevancy and feel that. That's huge, man. It's huge. It's huge. You know, it's amazing how uh, something that you see every day, almost take for granted, becomes illuminated. Imagine growing up and it's your neighborhood. You walk out the front door every day and then one day you walk out and it's a showcase of a, of a world-class event. I talked to a bunch of the Cycling Corps athletes as the helicopter for the global TV broadcast circled overhead. This is Deshaun. A lot of people wouldn't expect like kids and like city high schools to do a sport like this. How far, how far do you live from here? About five, ten minutes from here. About five, ten minutes. I mean, we got like Germans and like British people. What's it like to see these people from all over the place? It's very, it's very awesome. It's, it's very sweet. I asked Tuante what it was like to watch the race. It's different. How so? Good, man. I ain't never seen none of all these people, you know what I'm saying, around the world. Like, they speak different languages and all that. This young's sweet. Yeah. I, I mess with it because they in my city, you know what I'm saying? We ain't got no football team down here, no baseball team, no basketball team, none of that. So they hear that young, you know what I'm saying, sweet. And Jasmine pointed out how special it was. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Because yeah. if the race was like in Brazil or something, we wouldn't be there. And there was one little guy in the mix hanging out with the big kids. He was bright-eyed, kind of standing off to the side. He came up to my waist. So I asked him his name. Cor. Cool. Cor, how old are you? 11 by the time 12. How's your day been? Good. Yeah. What, what, what have you seen here that surprised you today? Um, some fairest people yeah. that I want to be like. 
it's clear that this event w- was something special for the kids. It meant a lot to witness it and participate. During the race, I, I was watching Craig, and he was standing next to the kids, a hand on a shoulder, leaning over, you know, explaining a nugget of race strategy, always teaching. So I asked Craig, do you have any sense of how, how the kids are, like, have experienced this event? Absolutely, man. They're relevant. You know, it's an amazing thing when kids from public housing are not just coming out to watch a bike race. They're feeling the bike race. They know what it's like to go up these cobbles because they've done it so many times. You know, as they're riding, watching these athletes go up these cobbles, they can literally taste what that feels like. That burn, that, that effort, that exertion. That, that matters, man. You know, something like this comes into town and it just, it changes the way you look at something that you've been looking at for a long time. There's something to that, you know, looking at something differently that you've been looking at for a long time, looking at something through someone else's eyes. And that's what happened when the bike race came to town. We were able to see Richmond from a different perspective, and we celebrated. It's helpful to see something like this through the eyes of a kid from public housing, but it's also helpful to see it through the eyes of an out-of-town visitor or a kid selling Gatorade. When two people are looking at something, they might see it differently. So whether you're talking about a world cycling event or a complex issue here in Richmond, or, or even Richmond itself, people see things differently. And by taking some time to see things through someone else's eyes, you understand them better, you understand something about yourself, and you have a more accurate picture of the thing you're actually looking at.